When we elect a president here in the United States, we have a brand new administration and they all come in with pomp and circumstance. So how does the coming of the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, come in? Well, a little bit different than what you and I are used to when rulers get into authority. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Chris Gordon. We are walking our way through Mark, and we're in chapter 1, verses 9 through 20, the coming of the kingdom. It looks quite a bit different than what you and I are used to with all the pomp and circumstance of new administrations. Here's Chris with more. Mark is capturing the strong language of Isaiah 40, Behold your God. The imagery of God's gospel program, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. Give them glad tidings. Remember all that said in Isaiah 40. Give them my gospel. Tell them their warfare is over. Tell them I've pardoned their iniquity. Tell them I'm coming. Tell them don't be afraid. Tell them behold your God. Here I am, says John. Here he is, says John. I will rule them. I have a reward I'm bringing with me. When the Lord God comes, tell them he will feed them. He will be their shepherd. Tell them that the Lord will take them into his arms. Tell them when he comes, he'll carry them in his bosom. Tell them he will gently lead those who are with young. Mark just emphasized who arrived. The father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased Here he is. As he's being baptized, the Spirit falls on him like a dove and a voice comes from heaven. You are him. God's answer to the world. Imagine the first century Christians under Nero being persecuted. Nero unleashing beasts on them as they are clothed in animal's fur. They're being hung on lampposts. You see the the misery. Uh, They're so confused. They're so perplexed. They don't understand why things are happening. And you ever feel that way? Of course we feel that way. We go through those very things. Why is this happening? Why are things like this? It, It almost becomes to a point where it feels unbearable anymore turning on the news. I don't think my myself as a Christian anymore can bear what's coming next. And in the midst of that, Mark's gospel opens up and says, here he is. He's come. You're king. He's here. And all of those worries should drop right now. All faith and affections and desires should be right on him in Mark's gospel. You're glued hearing this for the first time. Think of what said out of the gate, the first, uh, the gates in the first scene. He was baptized. The section is so beautiful because we know that John had a really hard time with this. We know that John said, I need to be baptized by you, but instead Jesus said, baptize me that I might fulfill all righteousness. Mark emphasizes that the time has come. And the baptism, this is so beautiful. I was was reading um, a few commentators on this, but notice here, What one writer said, in the baptism, the Lord steps down. He enters humbly and receives the baptism. He acknowledges, Lord, I will receive all the humiliation that is necessary to fulfill my work on behalf of my people. I will take any humiliation necessary 
in order to save my people from their sins. The baptism of Jesus shows his acceptance of the role. Our Heidelberg says this, that he was anointed, ordained by God the Father and anointed with the Holy Spirit to be our chief prophet and teacher who's fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption. Our only high priest, who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and who continually intercedes for us before the Father and our eternal King who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends us and preserves us in the redemption that he obtained for us. What a beautiful statement. Mark wants these confused Christians to understand this. Notice the speed of this again. The Son of God arrived. Immediately the Spirit cast him out in the wilderness. Cast him out there. And there he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by seven by, by Satan, and was with wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Notice how fast a coverage this is. We know the larger story, right? I, I mean, he went out there... Uh, all the temptations that Israel faced in the wilderness um, are there put down in Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel, and we could study that in some detail. Um, Notice here, he's hungry, he's starving, beasts are attacking him, beasts are with him, they are now honoring him. That's what Isaiah prophesied. How does Mark want you to read this? Just like this. Mark tells you the story as fast as he can to have the effect, and it should go like this. Immediately he was driven out in the spirit, by the spirit into the wilderness, Forty days Satan tempted him. He was with wild beasts. Angels ministered to him. You don't tell a story like that, do you? What was it saying? Immediately he went. Immediately he conquered. Immediately he won. All the tests that Israel had underwent in the wilderness, all the failures that we've been studying, all the failures in your own life, all the failures that you get up with and struggle with, is God going to be against me? Is God going to turn on me? All of it is put together in rapid fire mode so that you feel the effect of victory and that he is marching to that victory as fast as he can, immediately as he can, so that you would know it is done for you. He went into the wilderness for you. He was baptized for you. Uh, He was put under the law for you. Every um, writer I come across is so taken. Uh, Just listen to the language of joy and excitement. Uh, This is McShane. Ah, believers, you are a tempted people. You are always poor and needy. And God intends it to be so. To give you constant errands to go to Jesus. Some may say, It's not good to be a believer, but ah, see to whom we go. You feel the confidence in that statement? I love this one. Do you see? Christ has passed the test. He's earned the reward. Heaven has been secured by his perfect obedience to God's law. And he did not do this all for himself as if he needed to earn heaven for himself. He did all this for his people, even for you, O believer. On your behalf, he actively obeyed, thereby saving you and placing you beyond the possibility of ever becoming unrighteous again. Your status is secured eternally. What great hope! 
So when you comprehend the full obedience of Jesus Christ, both active and passive, you understand why Dr. Machen could say, that's who I just quoted, on his deathbed, in his own words, how gloriously complete is the salvation wrought for us by Christ. Christ paid the penalty. He merited the reward. Those are the two great things that he has done for us. No hope without it. Complete hope with it. He put himself under the curse. He put himself under our tests. And he won, says Mark. (laughs) Rapid fire. He won. This is your king. This is who Isaiah was talking about. Now after Mark presents the victory, the angels ministered to him. We all know this is victory. He beat the devil in the wilderness. He begins to answer the major question of the first century. And for you, where's the glory of his kingdom then? I don't see it. I don't see any glory of that kingdom. This was perplexing for them. And this is perplexing for us. That's why we're having all these kingdom debates. And in this introduction, he explains it. How has the kingdom come? How has the kingdom arrived? This should greatly help you with understanding the nature of the coming of the kingdom. Yes, the kingdom is his rule over everything. No one denies that. But I want you to see where that power of that kingdom is shown to us. How has the kingdom come? In verse 14, we read that John was put in prison. This doesn't sound like much of a great kingdom, does it? John's put in prison. Jesus comes to Galilee doing what? Preaching the gospel of God, the kingdom. You'll notice that emphasis there uh, right after. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the emphasis. It's here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom's at hand. Repent and believe. Isaiah said that when the king shows up, when the Lord God shows up, he's going to be up on the mountain. O Zion, good news is going to be announced. Lift up your voice, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Where is the kingdom? Oh, such an important question. Where is the kingdom? He chose a word here when he says the time is fulfilled. He chose a word that doesn't mean time as in a clock. Tick, 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 tick. It's not the word he chose. He, he chose a word that is such a definite point of time that is so utterly significant that it drives everything else that follows. It defines every other moment after that. He just said right here in Mark's gospel, the moment of the kingdom of God, the great moment of history has come. How? How do we know? In him, yes. But what is he doing that demonstrates that kingdom has come? What is the marker that the kingdom has come. Let me go about it this way. What did the Jews look for in the kingdom? What were they confused about him over? Well, he fit nothing of what they anticipated. What did they anticipate? If you, if you need help with that, you could look at later John 6, where he's feeding the multitudes. They're thinking, whoa, 
He's doing the stuff Moses did out in the wilderness. He's feeding the multitudes and they came and they tried to grab him by force and make him king to rule and recover Israel and he wanted nothing to do with it. He departed to the mountain alone. He wanted nothing to do with their view of the kingdom agenda. It's kind of our struggle now. What do we want recovered in uh, the U.S.? Prosperity, economic prosperity, restoration, give us back the land, give us a model king, give us somebody who we all like, who will rule us, who will break oppression, who enemies will submit to. How many political agendas use Jesus for that? How many uh, agendas use Jesus to advance their view of his kingdom for them? (laughs) We want a Jesus that fits our agenda. Anything that threatens our good old life, that was the Jewish problem. It's not any different. What was the marker that the kingdom had come? What was the marker that the kingdom had come? First thing, the Gospel of Mark says, what's he doing? Preaching the Gospel. Preaching the Gospel. With that, the kingdom has come. That's what Isaiah 40 said. Jesus was out doing miracles. Sure, we're going to look at that. Demonstrates his power. But Mark wants readers to see where the essence of the kingdom is. Where is the kingdom seen in the gospel preached? Uh, look over at verse 38 in this very chapter. Uh, and 38 is, is such a helpful verse. For he said to them, everyone's looking for you. Come on, where everyone's looking for you. Verse 38, and he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that's why I came out. That's the reason I came. That's pretty significant. You can go on to, to, uh, to chapter 2 in verse 2. And many who were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to them. So, so here are all these struggling Christians in Rome and, and they don't understand where is the power, where's the outward glory, where, what are they confused about? They're confused about the kingdom of God. It's not that glorious. It doesn't feel that powerful. What you're doing tonight doesn't seem, it's not definitely not respected by anyone in our nation who's in the political realm. And Mark just said, the kingdom is evidenced right here. Think about it. When we see it believed, when we see people's lives changed, when we see broken, sad, miserable people changed with loads of burdens and loads of sins in their lives, finding freedom, turning away from themselves and coming to Christ and being set free, is that a little thing? To be saved from eternal damnation? To be saved from the fires of hell? Oh, we're all wrong about the kingdom and priorities. The kingdom's right in front of you. (laughs) Look around. See how much that would mean? It would be awful if they thought Rome was God's kingdom. What confusion would that bring to them? And it helps us to stay focused on what is most important, that Jesus would constantly be tested about the power of his own kingdom. He was constantly facing this. The Pharisees were challenging him about the power of his own kingdom. Pharisees came to him one day and they asked him, when is the kingdom of God coming? <laughs> it's right there in front of them. But, but they asked, when is it coming? There's nothing outward. And Jesus said that. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. See here or see there. 
nor will they say, see here or there. In other words, I know you guys are looking for outward pomp. I know you're looking for outward glory. You're not going to see the kingdom with any pope running around in the United States. I'll tell you that. It's not in the outward transformation of things. I know you want the restoration of Israel now. Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within you. (laughs) What an amazing statement. This is what Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. I need to put life in your heart. But entering the kingdom is not something that you say, see here or see there. It's not like, uh, it's like the wind. It blows and you hear the sound of it, but does not know where it is or where it's going. That's my kingdom. You don't know it until you see it enter somebody's life. How so? Jesus went on to Nicodemus and say something that I think has been greatly misunderstood. We speak what we know and we testify what we have seen. What does that mean? We speak what we know and we testify what we have seen. It's as if Jesus was saying, open your eyes, you guys, and look around at my life-transforming power of what it's doing to people and shattering their darkness. Look at the woman at the well. Look what I did. Look at the woman who had five husbands and I broke it. John said that he came to baptize with the Spirit. He's giving life. Let me show you evidence of my kingdom. That's why Mark's running so rapidly here. Let me show you its power from the beginning. Now, now hopefully this uh, will close tonight and you'll see this. You see this illustrated for you in the calling of the disciples. This is really wonderful. Look at verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed them. Immediately, immediately. Verse 20, he calls them, Simon and Andrew, James and John. Notice the power here. The power is all over this passage. The kingdom has come in power when the king calls you and you come. You have rapid fire mode again. Follow me, follow me. You don't have anything else said. Mark wants you to feel that. Follow me. Now, if your dad, your Zebedee, and you've got a lucrative fishing business, and some guy comes walking up and says, follow me, and they bolt, never come back to the fishing business again, you understood something about the power of this man. This is powerful. In fact, Josephus records that when the Romans invaded Palestine uh, in AD 68, they confiscated 250 fishing boats out of the Sea of Galilee. It's about this time. Why? Because fishing was a lucrative business. The fishing industry was booming. Uh, We like to say these are just kind of poor, blue-collar, old fishermen there, tough guys. No, no, no. They were starting to hit it big. He comes and says, follow me, and boom, they're gone. (laughs) They are gone. I've never had anyone stood out in the corner and said, follow the Escondido, come over to the Escondido. Nobody does that, right? Nobody just comes. The Lord has to do that. 
Immediately they left their nets and followed. And here's the point. The nature of the kingdom is different. It's not in the business and government and economics of this world. It's a different kind of fishing business. I will make you, and we sing this, boys and girls, fishers of men. That's where my kingdom is. Immediately he called. Immediately they followed. And that should have, everyone should have read, said, wow, the kingdom's come. The kingdom's come. Look at its power over people's lives. Look at its power over your life. Look at what the Lord was building, a church. Building with the lives of real people. Stones, living stones to be built up, the spiritual edifice. Not a man-made temple with hands, a spiritual edifice. Now, if you're a first century Christian, looking at the glory of Rome, its hatred for you, its power, its splendor, look at the glory of Rome. Rome was the light of the world. All these awful things are happening. Mark just said, you want to see the kingdom? You're evidence of its presence. You're his body. His kingdom is reigning in your hearts. Put it all together this tonight, and we'll close with this. Let me tell you the story as fast as I possibly can so you get it. He went in the wilderness. Beasts were attacking him. He overcame. He overcame Satan himself. He won. He fulfilled all righteousness. And his kingdom is present every time you hear the gospel preached and people turn and come to him. There's his kingdom. His kingdom is a fishing business not of this world. If his kingdom were of this world, we would fight. (laughs) We don't belong here. It's a heavenly spiritual kingdom reigning in the hearts of his people now, ultimately leading to that glorious day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And if you want to see it tonight, you want to see this kingdom, you want to be encouraged in the midst of all of the chaos happening out there, look at him still building his church in 2015. It's remarkable. And have you responded by believing? When you're discouraged, I want you to look around in this messed up world. I want you to look at the young people every time a profession of faith happens. Somebody who's turned to Christ and said, I believe. The kingdom has just been shown to you in power. The next time you're discouraged, I want you to look up at your neighbors who are in Christ and to realize he has a whole bunch of living stones that he's building up. I I want you, next time you're discouraged, to long for Sunday, to long for the Sabbath. Because there the kingdom is put on display when the gospel's preached. It is for this reason he came forth. That you might know the truth and that the truth would set you free. That's where the kingdom of God will be shown in power until he comes back and takes us to be in glory with him forever and ever. I hope that helps us tonight to understand a little bit more his glorious kingdom and his body, the church. Well, we are out of time today. We'll close today's program out. But look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies here in God's Word with Pastor Chris Gordon here on Abounding Grace. 
questions, comments about the program, we always are delighted when you take a moment and reach out to us. You can do so by email, questions at agradio.org. Again, questions at agradio.org. Now, that may be the address, but you are more than welcome to send along suggestions, comments, praise reports, prayer requests, not just questions alone. Again, you can reach us at questions at agradio.org. You can learn more about us at agradio.org. Also, listen to past radio programs. Again, that's agradio.org. Or call us, 888-504-8805. Again, that's 888-504-8805. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Visit our website for those links to the platforms that you like to follow. Again, agradio.org. And then, as always, we are excited when our listening audience comes alongside of us financially, prayerfully, to help support the radio program. This is a listener-supported broadcast, and we are able to reach most of the United States as well as North Africa through your faithful partnership with us financially and prayerfully. We look forward to hearing from you and trust the Lord to direct you along those lines. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Until next time, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort in the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.